Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Painting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. The patent system is something that we've discussed more than a few times before on this podcast, and it's obviously a topic that we cover at fairly great length on the site itself. And that's because, well, there's plenty to talk about, from ongoing examples of abuses to various court rulings. Thankfully, those rulings are often pushing back against excessive trolling and other problems of the patent system, um, but also to the never-ending attempts at patent reform, many of which are still going on today. But that's not all that's happening with the patent system. Uh, the tech industry, which historically was supposed to benefit most from a strong patent system, has increasingly been pushing back against that very system because they've frequently found that it actually hinders innovation rather than supporting it. We've obviously gone into much greater detail about this on TechDirt itself, but we've seen that larger companies will sometimes use patents to crush smaller upstarts and block competition, as well as much more commonly seeing small entities, often patent lawyers themselves, collecting broad and vague patents and then threatening to sue basically any successful startup if they don't pay a bogus licensing fee. This is the so-called patent trolling. Given the slow pace of reform and the glacial pace of the judicial system, many in the tech industry have actually focused on doing what they do best, and that is trying to innovate their way around the problem. In some sense, they've been hacking the patent system. We've seen creative ideas like Twitter's Innovators Patent Agreement, which lets the actual engineers retain the ability to license out the patent as a sort of ability to, bl to uh, block a patent from later being abused by a troll. Similarly, similarly, there's the License on Transfer Network, which is a growing group of companies uh, who agree that if any of their patents are transferred to another entity, everyone in the group automatically gets a license and therefore can't be sued. And then, of course, there are strategies like the one that uh, Lee Cheng has carried out at the e-commerce company Newegg, which is a promise to never settle with a patent troll taking cases as far as they can go, uh, which is the exact opposite of what a patent troll wants, since it's hoping companies will just pay up uh, in order to get them to go away. Uh, given all that, the startup advocacy group Engine recently put out a new paper called Hacking the Patent System, uh, in which it talks about some of these options and more. And here to discuss that, that paper is Julie Samuels, who is Engine's president and uh, president of the board, and a former guest on this podcast, though really just on our co-podcast with Andreessen Horowitz. So we'd like to welcome Julie here on the, the Real Tech Dirt podcast. Um, so thank you for joining us. And also here, as per usual, we have our co-hosts, Hirsch Reddy and Dennis Yang. Um, but of course, we'll start with Julie, and we're going to jump in with a question on what, what are the sort of the latest and greatest ways that companies are coming up, and, and lawyers and others are coming up to sort of hack the patent system. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys, for having me. Um, 
So there, first I would say that this paper came out, um, we also did it with EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Um, yeah, they get enough mentions get on this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> that's fine. And I, to be fair, I work there. And also to be fair, I sit on the advisory board of a couple of these options in the paper, the Google's license on transfer, the defensive patent license. We'll talk a little bit more about the specifics um, as we kind of dig in, but if it's okay, I wanna just take a step back for a second and talk sure. thematically, I think, about what's so important about this idea of, you know, what we call hacking the patent system, this kind of let's make it work for us. And I think one of the most dangerous problems that currently exists in our patent system is this culture of what I think of as patenting up. So, the you, and you touched on this a little bit in your intro, Mike, the idea that startups, that bigger tech companies feel like they have to get as many patents as possible. They feel like they have to do that in order to attract investment. They feel like they mm -hmm. have to do that to prove they have a product. They feel like they maybe have to do that to later use those patents defensively. Mm -hmm. um, I personally think that a lot of those reasons are bullshit, um, but you know, that's just me. Um, <laughs> some people might disagree, but at a minimum, it's a very dangerous culture. And then you kind of give this idea of maybe having a patent to attorneys, and attorneys have a whole different kind of a host of um, motivating factors, and they kind of exist to make the patents as broad as possible. So we have this really dangerous culture in the world, and it's get as many patents as possible. You know, tens and tens of thousands of patents on software-type inventions come out of the patent office every year. Um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, exist, um, and so when even a small handful of those patents end up in the hands of bad actors, we find ourselves in a really bad situation. So there's a dangerous culture. And that culture is not going to be fixed by legislation. That culture is not going to be fixed, at least in the short term, by litigation. And so I think we have to take a step back and think, well, how do we kind of combat that culture? And that is actually what this paper is about, right? This paper is about giving companies, about giving people who work at companies, giving engineers, maybe giving patent attorneys, um, tools, uh, ways to think about the system to say, okay, this system sucks, we're kind of stuck in it, but there are ways to navigate it that are less evil. Um, and that is, I think, kind of the missing piece. So even if Congress gets its stuff together and passes some amazing piece of legislation, and even if the Supreme Court keeps on issuing these rulings that have been pretty good, um, I think you're still going to have this cultural problem unless the companies and the engineers out there in the world start doing this piece too, mm -hmm. which is to say start hacking the system. So um, what are those hacks? I think is, is kind of what yeah. your question was before I totally got no, sidetracked. No, no, that, that, that's, <laughs> it's not sidetracked. I mean, that's really good background. Um, and I, I think that's really useful context and perspective. So that's perfect. So, But yes, let's, let's dive in. Yeah, so okay, there are a, a couple different... Well, so the, this paper, and the paper is obviously on the internet, and we can provide a link. I'm, you guys probably have some show page, right? Yes. Um, on which we will put a link. <laughs> yes. So if you are listening to this and you want to find the paper and you can't do a Google search on hacking the patent system, you can also go to our, our uh, TechTurt blog yeah. post about this, and we will have the link in there. The hyperlink. Yes. The hyperlink, as it were. That's right. Yes. Someone patented that. I mean. <laughs> there was. There was a whole was. fight over... Yeah. over was, yeah, it, exactly. was it... Uh, oh, gosh. It was like um, British Telecom, yep. I think, that claimed they had a patent on the hyperlink. Mm. So just as yes. a perfect example yeah. of the idiocy of the patent. Well, and right. I mean, the podcast 
patent That's troll also is the one of the most the, the very yeah. famous, famous guy cl- claiming that he had a patent on podcasts and was sending threat letters to all sorts of popular podcasts. We are not nearly popular enough to get on that radar. Someday. Um, but uh, I think he's sort of backed down well, against um, smaller so podcasts, but he's the, still fighting CBS or is it? But you know, the patent was, ch- well, when I still worked at EFF, we instituted a challenge against that patent and the patent is in much worse, much worse. Right. They, 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 yeah. they chopped a bunch of it, but there is still yeah. some aspects to it that I think are still yeah. around. Um, Anyways. Okay. Sorry. So we kind of, in the paper, very high level, we kind of broke down the types of hacks, if you will, into three primary categories, uh, patent aggregators, patent pledges, and then patent insurance. This is actually the second uh, version of this paper. It's been updated. I think the first version came out about 18 months ago. The patent troll insurance piece was a new piece. Um, so that it, it, we kind of go through three options for patent troll insurance. I can kind of start with that because it's yeah. actually the simplest. Yeah, let's um, do it. And it, it, it's the most, you know, it's insurance against patent trolls. Um, We've so, not really seen insurance successful in this in this okay. space. Okay, so yet. so no one is offering it yet. This is more a suggestion. At oh this no, point? there are okay. There, we um, there are three products on the market that we kind of talk about. Okay. one is only available to advertisers because it comes from an industry group. Mm-hmm. So Got kind it. of let's put that on the side for a second because it's more limited in scope. Another comes from an organization called RPX, and an, the sure. other one comes from Unified Patents. Both of which we'll probably speak about because. Both of those companies' core business is actually in that first category of patent aggregators. Right. Um, but they have insurance products. Um, the uh, Unified Patents product is a smaller in scope. It's, I think, up to, I think, I want to say $50,000 in coverage. So, you know, and, and they won't cover settlement costs because they don't believe in settling with trolls, not unlike Newegg. Mm-hmm. Um, the RPX insurance product is much broader in scope. And that's, I mean, so RPX, that's like their entire business model, right? So it's just to some extent, right? The insurance piece? Well, no, I mean, so, well, I'm trying, so RPX to some extent, like there there was some controversy over them, right? So they're, right, so one of the, or the biggest patent troll, and just some more background, right? So the biggest patent troll is this company Intellectual Ventures, right? Which sort of went around and purchased up tens of thousands of patents, many of which were completely worthless and bogus, but it, the company, you know, um, with a huge war chest of money, billions of dollars raised, um, recognized that if they had like, you know, 30,000, 50,000 patents in the bag, they could then effectively go to companies and say, look, you infringe on some of our patents. It doesn't matter which ones <laughs> or how many, but enough. And therefore you need to pay us like a hundred million dollars to avoid us ever doing anything to you that you wouldn't like. Um, and, but they had originally pitched, their, their original pitch was much friendlier. And they sort of pitched themselves as kind of an insurance to patent trolls, which was that they would collect up all these bad patents and you would sort of pay them a little bit of money and that would protect you against patent trolls. And then they sort of flipped. You mean IV or RPX? IV, IV. And, and let me even go a step earlier. Their okay. original vision wasn't even that, right? Their original vision was that they were going to be a lab of ideas, the, essentially yeah. like a university. So the idea is yeah. that we're going to come up with all of these ideas yeah. and then license license the, the ideas out to the world. Yeah, and they still try and present that. that and they, that they, sounds they, better than what they do yeah, now. Yeah, and they would like bring in journalists to their lab up yeah. in up in Seattle and, and like, you know, show them like lasers that would yeah. zap mosquitoes. That was like their, their big one. Um, 
So I actually think this is a really important piece of the story because this is where some of this can go wrong, right? When you have any single entity that owns that many patents. And I don't think Intellectual Ventures set out to be a patent troll. I think that there were people there who won... I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I, I, is, there, you know, there, but there, yeah. there may have been yes. So okay, but whatever whatever their original kind of intent sure. was, they had investors who weren't getting paid back. Big, huge institutional invents, mm. investors, um, right. big corporate investors who weren't getting paid back, and they had this giant asset class that was a bunch of patents. So you know, what did they do? They became a patent troll, and I think that as you look at some of these other options. Um, Listen, some of these things, and I I want to make sure we have time to kind of walk through just a couple of them, but um, some of these are for-profit entities, and some are kind of more non-for-profit. And in the world of for-profit, I don't begrudge that, right? You've got a broken system. There are things that need to be fixed, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I do think we need to be careful because when you do have a single entity that owns a whole bunch of patents, even if they're good now what happens when they have a new board what happens when they have new leadership yep. what are they going and, to do with all of those patents it's a and scary. There, there are lots of examples where there were patents that were you know i think reasonably granted that later on because the company went out of business or whatever sort of fell into the hands of someone who just you know twisted what the patent meant and then just went on a suing spree that's right um, and so that's, that's definitely a concern. Okay, sorry. Okay, so I'll go quickly. Kind of, yeah. Okay, so there's insurance. Insurance is obvious. We all okay. know what insurance is. Mm-hmm. Insurance patent troll lawsuits. Um, then we've got this. The other two areas are, are oh, way just, more interesting uh, to Sorry, me. just to close the loop on RPX, yeah. right? So well, we're going to we, go we, to RPX now. Okay. Let me okay, go into go RPX now sure. And when we talk about the aggregators. So okay. the two, I think, most well-known, what we kind of call aggregators in this space are RPX and, and um, unified patents. Um, they have totally different business models, Unified patents kind of works in very specific zones, so kind of subject mm-hmm. matter, technology areas. You join unified patents. Startups can join for free, which is always something we're excited about. Yep. Um, and what they do is they go after crappy patents in those spaces, and they challenge them at the patent office. Um, I think this is actually a good model to get rid of patents. It you know it's, it brings together a network. Um, it brings the startups in kind of as to help identify some of the problem areas because oftentimes yep. trolls go after startup, you know, small vulnerable companies first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, you know, brings in the bigger companies to help kind of fund the challenges. And, and, and they sort of view what they're doing as sort of, you know, picking specific areas and, and effectively clearing the field right. for innovation in those in areas. That space. Yeah. Yeah. So that's unified patents. Um, RPX, RPX is huge. Um, and RPX yep. actually was started by some former intellectual ventures folks. Um, RPX potentially I, the people who believed in whatever that original <laughs> I hope so vision uh, <laughs> of intellectual so. ventures being a good player is. At least that's that's the story they tell. I have um, okay. RPX as of 2014 <laughs> okay. has spent 800 million dollars. 800 million 810 million dollars to be okay. precise as of 2014 buying patent assets. Okay. Um, so they own a lot, a lot of patent assets. Um, they claim that they have prevented 3000 patent lawsuits, okay. um, and secured 800 dismissals, 800 okay. you know, cases that were dismissed before. And, and how are they doing this? So how does that work? So they own a bunch of patents. They will buy patents straight out of litigation. Okay. They sort will of shut down the litigation. Just shut down the litigation. So they buy the patents okay. and, and you join RPX and sure. it's, you know, based on revenues mm-hmm. and, and, you know, kind of whatever 
your company's needs are. It's, it's very specific. Um, so, so, so if you're if you're in litigation, for example, say you're facing litigation, you could join RPX, and RPX would potentially buy that patent out of litigation. Or potentially, if if it's so, here's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Another element, of course, um, if a patent troll owns a patent, you don't have much leverage with them, right? The only thing to do is essentially buy the patent from them. Right. Um, if you're in litigation with maybe a company that's like kind of trolly, but not totally trolly, there might be some other sure. leverage point. Or, or if there's like, if it's a, if it's an operating company, you know, there are right. countersuits over patents that you might hold and all those kinds of things. But if it's a pure troll, it's just like a shell corporation right. that has nothing, there's not much you can do. So RPX will pretty much do whatever. Got it. Um, and, okay. you know, what? it seems there's been some success there. Um, mm -hmm. RPX is... A seemingly very successful business model, um, and and they insist, by the way, that that they will not go the intellectual ventures route and will not initiate. It, that's right. Suits, that's right? what they. That is what they say. Okay. Just it strikes me that their business model is just intellectual ventures uh, minus evil. No, not minus <laughs> evil. It's it's still kind of evil in here. Is why I think it is. It's because you essentially take the tax and, and as opposed to concentrating the tax on specific people, mm -hmm. you just spread it out across everyone. Right, that's, and so you, and, yeah. but the, because the thing is, is, is you, you basically tax the entire industry and say you all pay me a little bit, and I just don't want to go through the trouble of basically doing a litigation. What I'll do is I'll buy up the trolley patents, and then you just pay me for insurance. Yeah, it ends up being the ends up being about the same thing mechanically. Now yeah. I'm not saying the motivations of the players aren't completely yeah. different. I mean, there's a, there's a part of me that that is always the, the part of me that's always been uncomfortable with RPX, and I sort of recognize that their hearts are in the right place, and I I think the people there. Well, they are now. Yeah. I'm sorry? Their hearts are in the right place now. Yeah. But, yeah, and that obviously could change, right? I mean, it changed with intellectual ventures. But um, part of what makes me feel uncomfortable about it is that the entire business model is based on, you know, the fact that we have a broken patent system, right? It's like if the patent system itself weren't broken as badly as it is today, there would be no reason for RPX to exist. I, I actually also don't think that in the long run these kinds of insurance schemes can work because the presumption here is that in that that the risks are a, are a, a fixed pool of events. It's kind of like when you insure car accidents, the mm -hmm. insurer kind of knows like, okay, there's this many a year. That's a total pool of risks that the industry as a whole is insuring against. But if you have sort of a, the way these insurance companies work here in this space is they try to go for settlements. Nobody wants to litigate all the way. So they're actually still allowing capital to go to the trolls. They don't actually impede the troll revenues that much. So that's the difference between unified patents and RPX, right? Unified won't settle. But, but what right. I'm saying is even if, let's say that they don't settle. Either way, there's a litigation. It doesn't really impede sort of the, the um, expected value of the bad patents, so to speak. So if your assumption is there can only be N number of bad patents a year, then an insurance scheme would be a nice solution because it'd be like, okay, there's only N, we spread the risk around, it's fine. But the thing is, I think an insurance scheme actually makes it so that there is N plus one back. Right, because you, you've, you're you've, sucking in more people. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is, it actually makes space for more players. And the reason is, is because let's say intellectual ventures and RPX make an alliance or RPX alone goes out and buys a bunch of bad patents. That's a particular type of business model, and there's a particular species of company that can sign up for that kind of insurance. But there's a whole bunch of other companies that either don't know about RPX or can't make those kinds of payments, yep. and, and that opens up a pool of people that you can uh, basically litigate against as these outside RPX players. Yeah. And I don't think there's, there's not a limited pool of these litigatable patents. You can write one yourself. If you're, if you're a litigator <laughs> and you really want to do it, observe an industry for six months and then write a patent and then, you know, 
sue somebody two years from now, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, well, right, I mean, th that's, that's a thing that's out there. Another thing about RPX that's interesting is the data they sit on now yeah. has actually been very important in the patent debate, so I don't, I don't want to move on without mentioning that. That's been fascinating, their data. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the RPX business model, there are a lot of question marks around it. I totally agree, Mike, with your kind of assessment that you've got a shitty patent system and, and then this company's been able to take advantage. But the flip side is, as our, you know, that system would largely exist with or without RPX. I think mm -hmm. query sure. whether, no, you no, know, there's right. like N plus one, but N no, no, and no, is right. not there no, doing right, right. The, the 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 overall impact of yeah. RPX in terms of like yes it may be putting more money potentially towards trolling which therefore makes it more valuable but but you know it's a drop in the bucket compared to the overall and I do think though and and we talked about this actually before we were specifically talking about RPX but this is the place to watch if if Congress were to really somehow so, fix the system if a piece of uh, you know piece of litigation really fixed the system. Nothing happening in the very near future sure. there. But like, let's imagine sometime down the road that happens and RPX is sitting on these assets like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars at some point mm. worth of patents, um, billions of dollars worth of patents. What, what becomes of that? And that is um, potentially troubling. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, you can't imagine them being on sort of yours and Julie's and mine's side of the debate if you're sitting on that many assets that could become... Yeah. Uh, basically and worthless, right? So you and you've got a board who cares about maximizing profit, right. and you've exactly. got employees, yeah. and you've yeah. got rent, and all of a sudden that's, they've got all and these that's, competing that's, circumstances. That's, that's the really uncomfortable part, where it's like, because if, you know, if Congress were to magically, you know... Which it won't, by the way. Let's just be sure. realistic. But if they were to... Don't upset Julie. <laughs> <laughs> she's our guest. <laughs> not, not in the short term. It, by the way, she's doing God's work. Let me just go on the record <laughs> saying, like, I'm, I think she's doing amazing work. And, but, uh, but, right. But I have this issue where it's like, you know, to some extent, RPX is, you know, they, they sort of claim to be on the side of good and... and you know, in effect, they're doing good things. But, but yeah, you know, if good patent reform came along, it would effectively destroy their business. And therefore, you know, where would they sit in that debate? And, and would they come down on the other side? And that's a really big concern to me. Yep. All right. I want to talk about patent yeah. pledges because this is actually the thing I think is the most interesting. All right. Go for it. Um, patent pledges. So we've got, we talked a little bit about Google's license on yep. transfer. There's the defensive patent license, yep. um, which you can read a lot more about on the internet. But essentially that that to me is one of kind of the strongest versions of this. So give the this quick the two sentence where version. it works that you join the defensive patent license, you all your entire patent portfolio gets cross licensed against everyone else's patent portfolio, and it's just totally defensive. You can only sue any of those people as a defensive measure. Mm -hmm. um, you can leave, and you know there's obviously stuff around there, like six month I think period is where we ended. But anyway, that's kind of the strongest. And, and one of the things about that, in case I glossed over it, is that your whole portfolio is in. Right. That's if, a, if you join that, you have to include every, every patent, patent in your portfolio, and you sort of are effectively saying that you're not going to use them offensively. Use them offensively. Right? Um, so what's, then, the, what's the downsides of the those kinds of pledges? Well, it's it's quite hard to get certain companies to be okay with kind of saying, here's my whole portfolio. Right. I um, mean, they're, they're effectively giving up that leverage, which some people might be concerned with, right? A particular, like a big company, which makes it hard to kind of build the momentum that you need because these kind of frameworks only work when everyone in an 
and any given industry working in a technological area is in. Um, this is definitely the version of the world that I hope exists, you know, that I mm -hmm. wish existed. It's hard to get there. And you can understand why. But that's also why I really like talking about this kind of spectrum of things you can do because the Google license a transfer is a much lighter lift. It's very easy. You're essentially saying, you know, you've got this license for now. If we sell, or you don't have a license, sorry. I can do whatever I want against anyone else in the network. If I sell the patent, then you get to keep the license. But it, you know, carves out like... Um, I think takeovers and, and certain kinds of things that would happen in the course of business. So that's a light lift and tons of really big, well-known companies have joined. Yeah. Which I, is meaningful. But I think, you know, I think that's actually, so defense patent alliances are like very important in terms of reducing the volume of litigation that happens between companies. But I think in Silicon Valley, like, the main thing that gets us all boiled up is is the sort of non-practicing entity yeah. problem. And that obviously is not going to be ameliorated by totally. these kinds of yeah. things. But They're this is the join. cultural piece that I was talking yeah. about at the outset. And I think a big, to my mind, as someone who's works on advocacy and is, you know an mm -hmm. advocate um, for the fixing a system, that if you have companies you know saying, I proudly join this thing because I think the system is messed up, mm -hmm. then you're sending a message. Mm -hmm. And that's an important message to attorneys. That's mm -hmm. an important message to smaller companies. To Congress. Yeah. That's a message mm -hmm. to Congress. That's really important. What Another thing I, I hope we can do with this, and another piece of this being an important message, is as I'm sure many, if not all, if not everyone listening to this podcast knows that by and large software engineers not really fans of software patents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. that's kind of out there. And what we want to also do is empower those engineers so that when someone from their company comes to them and says, let's get a patent, they can say, okay, if you insist I'm getting a patent, what about this idea or that idea to make it less bad? Or maybe let's not get a patent at all, but you know, sometimes that's a harder but lift. Can I, let, let me comment on that. So, yeah. Having been a patent prosecutor and having done patents for a lot of big uh, Bay Area tech companies, I think that the way the incentives of the system are set up, right, all the way from sort of legislation that gives you the power, that gives you the incentive to get these really broad patents because they have so much economic power, right, all the way through those incentives trickling into the companies and the companies themselves offering uh, cash incentives to their workers to file the patents, and then trickling even further down uh, at the point of litigation where, you know, l let's say you, you contributed to a bad patent and you're getting some kind of bonus on sort of the licenses that happen and things like that. All those things kind of combine together to make sort of the right thing to do to be in direct opposition of what's in your financial interest. Yep. And I fear that, like, I, I actually think that what you, the, the one point I really agree with you strongly, Julie, is that that having all these companies come on board to say that we need to join these kinds of alliances because we think the system is broken is very important. But I don't actually think that cultural patenting will change until the financial incentives change. So I, I'm actually uh, uh, there. I don't hold as much hope as you do that that like if it's just a question of education. I actually think until Congress changes the financial incentives. Mm -hmm. I don't think even the best-meaning companies will stop doing what they're doing because I, I see some of the without you know putting out names, but some of the uh, some of the companies that are, are the strongest against patents and some of the VCs that are strongest against patents. You look at the companies in their portfolios, you look at the filings they're making, and they are as broad as yep. anyone else's filings. Yep. And you and you and you know why they're doing it. So we that's some it. of the pledges here too. And I mean, one of the most interesting pledges um, that doesn't get. Well, that gets talked about a ton in kind of the more mainstream media, but not as much, I think, in our press as what Tesla said, right? Yeah. And now mm -hmm. Ford, too. They're, 
those are interesting and like whether or not they're legally enforceable. There's and, some and question, so, but that and, and is. And so the details there is like Tesla specifically said, like, we are not going to enforce our patents. Anyone can use them and we will not sue over them. And then Ford recently did the same thing. And the idea yeah. being like, we've got this new technology huh. in the world, right? Like yeah. electric car, whatever. Yep. And we want people to, to use, it. use it and invent around it. Like to, mm-hmm. you know. To do more with to it. To do more with Recognizing it. Recognizing that if, if, if we are solving the problem of, you know, of making that market better, it will lift all of us. Right. And it's, you know, it's... Well, well, Julie, did they did Tesla promise not to sue someone back if they sued them? They, so they, Tesla, they still I mean, that? it's... A, this is actually an interest. Th- I think yeah. this whole thing is very interesting because it's also way more mainstream yeah. than like wonky patent circles. Yeah. Um, there's no... There's no official. There's no official. There's, it's there's not just, even legal document. A, a statement. Yeah. I mean, so two, a couple statements. Yeah, a couple statements because so I mean, it's interesting because he said uh, Elon Musk basically came out and said we will not do, and that was basically it. Was he said that? And then there was all these like uh, financial analysts and and patent lawyers who were like, he doesn't really mean that. He means like you know the, the you know uh, effectively like we'll still go after some cases or whatever. <laughs> And then he came out and said a second time, like, no, like, no, like I, I mean it. I, yeah. I mean it. Like, yeah. we don't care about the patents. Anyone can use them. We will not sue. But it's all just based on on his statements. And there's like, you know, well, that has legal power. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but you wouldn't want to fight it and, no. in court. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, I, that to me was an incredibly culturally interesting moment. Yes, in this debate, mm-hmm. I mean, Elon Musk talking about, and that was obviously covered by every media. Yeah, and and he story. made a clear why, which is that he actually he legitimately said, like, I don't think the patent system is useful, and I would rather have much more innovation in this field yep. because it helps us all. So he made those points, and he made it clear, even as like the people who just think of the patent system in sort of the idealized way had a lot of trouble sort of grasping that this could possibly <laughs> that anyone could possibly think this way. Like, I think he did get get yeah. that idea out there into the world. Which I, 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 I feel like. Useful. In, in, in debates that happen on Capitol Hill, right, and which Julius probably sat in on, like a lot of times people are like the main, the main sort of rhetoric around making these patents stronger and stronger and keeping them the way they are is to say that hey, we're protecting the Edisons of today, right? But mm-hmm. here you have people like my eyes are rolling; you can't see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Very far back into my head. Yes. But we got Elon Musk, and mm-hmm. even like so, even like even though Microsoft is like the top, or if not the second mm-hmm. most you know, uh, file the most patents a year, right? Bill Gates, before Microsoft ramped up, used to say, these patents are BS. Like, I don't want to file them, right? And like, all these guys are kind of on the same page when it comes to that. Like, how many patents did Facebook file before it became worth a billion dollars? Like, four. None? Yeah, so I've got... I mean, I think that, again, I think this is largely a cultural problem. If I could take a magic wand and... Well, there are a lot of things I could do, but if I... (laughs) One of the top things I would do that I think would make the patent system better, um, which is subject for a whole other podcast for a different day, but is to say that we should not have a one-size-fits-all system. We should not treat pharmaceutical inventions yeah. the same way we treat software inventions. It does not make any logical sense. There are reason, there are political and legal reasons for that, you know, international opposition, yeah. whatever, for another day, but, but I think that that... So, you know, then when you end up in these kind of policy debates, you've got people from all different industries yeah. arguing for different rules that... A, will affect the industries and the technologies differently and it becomes super complicated. Um, I quickly want to go back to the aggregators. Uh, yeah. Can I, I say one thing about the yeah. one size fits all kind of thing? There is actually a, a strong political science argument for why you'd want to pull all these disparate industries into the same pile. And one of the reasons is is because um, 
people say that the different industry groups pull on patents in different directions, like the software industry wants to make it shorter and the medical industry wants to make it longer. And if they feel like those industry interests are politically uh, the balance for each other, which, yeah. which prevents, so you, say, you, if you, you could you, have, yeah. if you separate out, there, there are a whole separate bunch of, out it, it, it is a different them. argument. I have, I have a lot of thoughts on this as well, and we're going to have Julie back to discuss that. Yeah, that yeah. one but, I really but, get but fired I, up. About. I know, I know that we're running out of time. I do. I want to so talk about Mozilla sure, quickly. I want to make sure we, we, yeah, we cover yeah. the things. That um, we there, I mean, I think just while we're talking about the pledges, Mozilla recently announced theirs. It's an incredibly interesting one. It's different, and part of what's interesting is that Mozilla's recently gone out to get patents to then openly license um and it's a longer story about that and um i can kind of go into more detail at a probably a later time but essentially mozilla felt like the only way they could compete was to get some patents so they had some leverage but then to license them openly and i think that gets to kind of the core of the cultural problem it's that they felt they had no choice and we know that mozilla is not you know, going yeah. to turn into a patent troll. So that, to but they me, still felt they needed to the to, to, to get the that. patents, and then basically just for the sake of then doing something similar to like an Elon Musk totally. kind of situation. Very interesting. All right, I know we're we're running out of time. Is there any any sort of last? Uh, yeah. thing, anything that we skipped over that you can do a lightning round? Or um, no, you know, I actually, I, there is one point that I want to make sure. that I think is so important, and particularly for companies out there or startups or whatever, is that the, the options in this paper kind of run the spectrum. There are some that are a much heavier lift. There are some that are a much lighter lift. And I truly think that if you are a startup in the software space at all, or many other spaces too, but you almost have no excuse but to at least pick one of these to make a statement that a system needs to be fixed, some of these are really not yeah. that, you know, your board, your investors, you can get them on board with a lot of these options. Um, there's a, and, and the fact that we're even talking about this and there are so many options does show that there is some progress. We have yeah. a lot of work to do, but this is, this is forward motion. Yeah, and and if you're a startup, like it is actually important to like look at these things and not ignore it because you know if you're, I mean, if you're not successful, then you're not successful. It doesn't matter. But if you are <laughs> even remotely successful, you're going to face some of these problems, and ignoring it until then is not the best solution for you. So seriously, like look at these things. Go look at the paper. You can find it from from our blog post about this or. You know, just do a search. Oh, I was totally remiss. By the way, you guys, the students from Stanford Law School, Uh um, from the legal clinic there, um, John Casey and Marta Belcher, they totally helped us with this project. They kicked ass. They were great. And I have to say thank you to them. Cool. I would have felt horrible if I'd forgotten. So thank you, guys. (laughs) Yes, thank you. And thank you, Julie, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks uh, to everyone who's listening. Thanks, uh, Hirsch and Dennis. Dennis, you didn't get to say anything, but that's okay. I said a few things. Okay. (laughs) 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 Um, And we will be back again next week with another podcast. All right. Thanks, guys. Grab a shovel and dig up the tap. 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 Grab a shovel and dig